can change the, ooh, wow. Hello, I'll, I'll do that again. Hello, everyone. So good to see everyone here today. Uh, and, and John, if you ever want to just uh, change the color scheme, uh, you can, you're welcome to do. Uh, but let's begin with a word of prayer this morning. Uh, Lord, we thank you again. As we sang today, we depend on you. We thank you, Lord. We are here because we know there's no life apart from Christ. There's no good thing, Lord God. I thank you, Lord. When we were empty and poor, you came to make us rich. You came to make us be overabundant. And more than that, Lord, you made us to become like Christ. So the work you started, we can continue and see it till the end. You trust us, oh God. And so we're here, Lord, with all of our hearts saying, Lord, use us, God. Lord, empower us. Empower us in this fellowship. Empower us by your spirit. Empower us by your word. And teach us, Lord, how to live just like Jesus this year and for the rest of our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're in a wonderful season of Lent. Uh, I hope your Lent is going well. I, I, uh, uh, I thank, again, the youth for leading us, Pastor Nathan, for leading us in consecrating that beautiful dream chapel. This is called the Mary Chapel. Now we have a dream chapel upstairs, the second floor. They've been praying every morning at 530. And on Saturdays, uh, we get to come all together, the whole family, and just have a blast. And having that uh, breakfast in that brand new lobby is uh, really something uh, special. Even though your body may be tired, your spirit, you're with God. And so you lack nothing. And you are thankful uh, for God giving us that privilege to meet him in prayer. Uh, and so I pray that this uh, season of Lent will be a true transformation for you. So as we committed ourselves, we are in going through the Ten Commandments. And last week, I began, uh, before I went into the Ten Commandments, giving you an introduction to what the laws of God are. And it, ha it really does three purposes, has three purposes. It shows us that God is good. It reveals that thank thankfully to God, He does not change like shifting shadows. We can trust God because He doesn't just go on a whim and say, today I feel like this. Today, I want the gravity to be, you know, slow, uh, a little bit less. And tomorrow, I want the sun to go faster than it has. No, no. God is someone who is dependable. He never changes. He is the ultimate good. He is the only one that we can trust in our lives. But then the, also, the law shows us it hurts. Just like when you get a big cut and, and to disinfect it, you have to put that alcohol, whatever, that, that uh, perp, uh, brown stuff. That doesn't hurt too much, but iodide, right, whatever, it hurts because it reveals to you there's presence of dirty stuff that needs to be cut away so that your, your skin doesn't rot. Just like, you know, surgery to remove a tumor, all of those things are hurtful, but it's helpful because we need to understand that this sinful nature is killing us, it's, and we need to get back to God's goodness, but the law would tell us what is the extent of the damage. And then finally, the law is incomplete without pointing to the need that we have for Jesus Christ to be our Messiah. It humbles us, convicts us. <clears throat> it's, it's true that the devil uses to condemn us, but Christ uses to convict us to set us free, to lead him towards him. The point of the whole law was not so that you can take the law of God and work on yourself and come back to God when you're ready, but the law was for, for God to say, I want to be close to you. And I'm the only one who can fulfill this law through you. And so last week, we started with commandment number one and number two. Number one says, you shall have no other gods before me. And I explained to us, one and two kind of goes together. 
second one said that you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth below or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. They go hand in hand, right? When God, the creator God, the good God, the one who loves you, the one who's eternal, the one who knows all things, the one who can do all things, when that does not become your God, but by sin, you start to create your own God, money, people, situation, uh, uh, as aspirations, even your, sometimes your dreams can be your, your own um, uh, evil desires. All of these things, apart from God, what happens is, the, I really want us to get this, when God is our God, God has one purpose in mind, to set you free. When God created us, he didn't create us with strings attached. He said, this is creation, enjoy it. You're creating my image, go and let my kingdom of righteousness, my kingdom of peace and love, let it, let it cover the earth, fill the universe. But when God, when, when, when God is not our God, what happens is we who were called, created to be sovereign and rulers over all that God created, we become ruled, we become slaves to the sin that we bow down to. So when money becomes important for us, instead of us using money to do God's will, it does the opposite. Money makes us bend down to its will. It makes us sick, it makes us tired and stressed, destroys families, all of these things. Whatever is not God, that is not Jesus in your life, will make you a slave. People can do that. Spouses can do that. Children can do that. Situations in life will do that in your life, even in your own health. If, if all your goal in life is just to be healthy and have a good life, that becomes your God. It will destroy your life. So again, God is sharing this to help you because he is here to say, I want you to be free. Jesus Christ, the Bible says, Christ came to set you free. It is for freedom. That's, that's okay, Carter. We love Carter. Carter's praising the Lord right now. I love Carter. So that's commandment one and two. And then now, today we're going to go to commandment number three and four. Here's number three. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. For the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. And then number four is remember the Sabbath day and keeping it holy. So let's begin with number three. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord. So I just want to also, before I do this, uh, let you know that the first four Ten Commandments is about your relationship with God, right? Have no other God except me. Do not worship idols because you will be their slave. Number three, do not use, misuse the name of the Lord. Number four, remember to keep my Sabbath day, God's Sabbath day holy. And then five to the ten, the, the remaining six is about human relationships, okay? So here we go. What is misusing the name of the Lord? I'm sure that some of you, like me, when you're watching movies, you've heard this. Jesus Christ. And back when I heard it, I'm like, wow, yes, let's talk about Jesus. I got excited. I was like, preach the name of Jesus. But then I realized, wait, wait, wait. It's kind of like blurry because, okay, honestly, um, I'm sure all of us have said, oh, my God. Right? My son, one of the first English words he learned was, oh, my God. You know? So cute, you know? And it's true because there are a lot of things in life that we're like, wow, God, right? Of course, it's the heart of the man or woman that says it that matters. But then, you know, what, what I want to explain to us that just because Leonardo DiCaprio, he's like the guy that like every movie he says, Jesus Christ. 
it's like his mission in life, I think, right? Am I correct? He's like the only guy that always in every movie says Jesus Christ. If one day he'll become a Christian, that'd be great, right? I don't know if it is, right? But as a person who's not in covenant with God, I mean, the world will be the world. The world will keep misusing God's name. The world will keep cursing God and making fun of God and doing demonic things like the, uh, the, the recent, uh, what show was that? Grammys, whatever. The, the whole full-on Sam Smith, whatever. That, that's the way the world, don't be surprised that the world is being the world. But this is talking about the people of God. I want to bring it to where this matters. You don't take the law and go to the people in the world and smack them with it. Because it's not, they're not in covenant with God yet. But for us who are in covenant with God, let's talk about what is Jesus trying, what is God trying to help us understand about the name of the Lord. And what does it mean to misuse this name? And I want to tell you, God's not going to just hold anyone guiltless who says, oh my God. You know, because honestly when I say it, it's like actually a prayer. Oh my God. Oh my God. It's actually, I'm not saying like. Oh, my God, I hate you. I'm like, oh, my God, I need you, right? I depend on you. Oh, my God, oh, my God, right? It's okay to say it because Christ, the, the, the scripture, I want to help you understand that what's the true meaning, intention in about misusing his name. See, more than saying just the name Jesus or God, it's about how you use his name, meaning his authority. In one clear, very clear sense, in the most uh, the obvious sense, what God is saying is, as people have done throughout history, people do this a little less, but if you go through history, so many of the greatest atrocities, greatest wickedness, greatest violent and dark and sinful things man have done, they have done in the name of the Lord. They said, in the name of God, we come and kill you, we come and destroy you, and we do evil things. So obviously God is saying, do not put my name, tie it with terrorism, tie it with violence and tie it with sin but then for the rest of us who are not doing those like you know creating wars and killing people how can we fulfill this command of God see back then it was the name of God was so holy you couldn't even say it when Moses asked God reveal to me who you are so that when I go to these people who have not had God for 400 years how can I introduce you, God, as he walks in front of him? By the way, I, I butchered this verse. I'm going to read it to you. Um, the verse was in Exodus chapter uh, 33. So here it is. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and, and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. The first time that Moses asked God, what is your name? He says, I am. And if you look in the, uh, uh, the Hebrew, it's yod heh Y-H-W-H, Yahweh. So that name became so holy that the Jewish people, they couldn't even say it because they took this literally, uh, that you cannot use his name in vain. His name is so holy and they, in the, in, the, in the Hebrew Bible, wherever you see that name, yod Y-H-W-H, Yahweh, it just says, the Lord. Or it says, Hashem, the name. Okay, or Adonai, the Lord. And so, but it's more than just the literal words, right? Because the truth is this, the name of the Lord already has been given to us. Turn to the neighbor, your neighbor and say, God gave you his name. Turn to him. 
God did. So, so whether you like it or not, because you already have the word of God, the name of God, is, whether you say it or not, doesn't matter. But the way you live is going to either bring glory to this name or shame to this name. I want to explain it this way. The word misused is a good translation, but the, the correct root word of that word is hold the name. You shall not hold the name of the Lord, your God, in an in in unworthy manner, right? So think about it this way. In Acts 4.12, it says, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. God Almighty came as a flesh and revealed himself as Jesus. He revealed the face of God the nature of God, the will of God, and he said, here I am a gift to you. And you and I have received that name. And guess what? Your old person in Guanzhan has been crucified. That cursed man, that sorry guy, that guy who had no hope in his life is dead. And now I am in Juan Jesus. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, this is how you're feeling. I am so happy to know you. And you're going to say their name. And they're going to put Jesus as their last name. So, for example, Sam, I'm so glad to know you, Sam Jesus. Go get him. Okay, come on. Eat, greet each other. First name and Jesus. Yeah. Joseph Jesus. Newcomer. So welcome. To, thank you for joining us. Joseph Jesus. Key Jesus. Karen Jesus. Elaine Jesus. My brother Anthony Jesus. It's true because we have no life apart from the life that God gave us in his name. I live every day no longer. I shouldn't. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I like to take that name and then hide it on, on my day off and then just live as Inkwon John and create all kinds of mess and then come back and be like, oh, thank God. I took that name back, put it on. Honestly, I'm going to go and check your cars today as you leave because I'm wondering if there's a clothes hanger in your car where you hang the name of Jesus the moment you leave church, and then on your way back to the next Sunday, you're going to put it back on. You're going to take it off and put it on. But sometimes we treat the name of God in the same way. It's like sometimes I live for the name, the authority, the will, and the honor of Jesus. But many days I live for the will of me, myself and I, my own idol, my own God. Because the reality is everything we have and everything we are, even before we accepted Christ or not, it's not ours. It's been given to God, given from God. We have a responsibility to the one who has given us this life. So in whose name do we want to live? In my name? For my glory? That the world will know how amazing Inquan John is? So my friends would honor me and revere me? Or do I want to live for the name of Jesus Christ so that whenever they think of me and get to know me, they'll be like, wow, that is what Jesus is like. Again, the difference is huge, right? In my name, life gets a little sweeter. All the good things spoil. But in Jesus' name, things resurrect. Things become beautiful and hopeful again. So at the heart of this command that God has given to us, God is speaking to his own children and his own people to represent and who represent and belong to him, that in this world, our lives are on display to others. We're not just 
passing through your life aimlessly, the moment you become in covenant with the God of all creation, now your life has a new purpose. It's not just the same old. It's not just wake up, go to work, provide for your family, have, have a little family time, go back to sleep, and do it all over again until you can't do it anymore. The moment God meets you and says, you're mine, and gives you his name, his identity, his authority, you have to live his mission and a different blessing in your life. So the name of Jesus comes with greatest blessings and power, but also great responsibility and a new duty and mission for this life. We cannot live without it. That's why it says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, the conclusion is this. People argued what's the right way to live. Paul just says this, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So next time you want to do something in the name of yourself, think about it. Can I do that in the name of Jesus? That would help you. That would help you to honor, to carry his name well, to honor him and to not live continue to live in the, in the curse of sin in our lives. So we want to use his name in the right way. So, you know, when I talk about using his name not in vain, there's so many things that, you know, we'll, we'll, we need to d- discuss on how to do it right, yeah? So because when we miss the mark, whenever we sin, that's the, that's the danger, right? That's the, that's the problem is whenever we do something wrong, it's not just I'm going down with 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 my sin, but it's also Christ's reputation, but also it's the people around me who are looking at me, who are wanting to to receive Christ through my life. So a lot is at stake in what you say and what you do. And so, you know, that's why, you know, we really need to grow strong and mature as Christians. But one of the things I want to really, really help you guys today is to talk about your words. Um, More than sometimes even doing things as, as human beings created in the image of God, there's something I want to show you with, about your word that is so powerful that how you say your words and what you do not say and what you say really is at the heart of misusing or correctly using the name of the Lord in your life. I'm saying by your words, the glory of God will either increase in your life or it will decrease. I want to show you this. Jesus said this about words. Jesus in Luke chapter 6, verse 44, he says, each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick fig from uh, thorn bushes or grapes from briars. You don't, you don't pick papaya from pineapple trees, right, in, in our context, right, or pineapple roots, whatever. But it says a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. Where do words come from? Not, the, not, not just out of thin air, but, but, the, but the condition of your heart. And it says, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his or her heart. For the, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And then Jesus turned to the people and said, why do you call me, say to me, Lord, Lord, and do not do what I, what I say? It's because you say, Lord, but your heart is far from me. So, but let me go back to that point. He says, he says for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. If you want to know what a person is, Just listen to the things they say, and you will know exactly what kind of person this is. Of course, that's hard because most people like to lie. But when the lie is over, then you get to hear what they really are. 
and that word is representing, it reveals your heart. So, um, <clears throat> words are not just words. Words show your true colors. It reveals your heart. Matthew chapter 15, Jesus said the same thing about this condition. He said, what goes in your mouth does not defile you. But what comes out of your mouth is what defiles them. He says, the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. What Jesus is trying to help people understand is not just you saying Jesus, Jesus, the right way, the right way, but he's saying Look at the heart. So again, that commandment to not misuse the name of the Lord in vain, it's not just, oops, I said it, but God is saying, look at your heart. It's time to deal with the true condition of your heart. And I'll give you the answer. Only Christ who created that heart, only by receiving him and the work of the Holy Spirit can that heart be changed. No one can change our hearts. It is wicked, it is wretched, it is broken. But Christ, he created the heart your mind can recreate that heart. And I pray that's what happens this, this season in your life. James chapter 3 kind of takes it to the next level. He says it this way. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. Able to keep their whole body in check. How important are words? To keep your whole body. Either because of your words you could shipwreck your life or because of your words... You can go to the highest of the highest of mountains. Verse 6, he says, the tongue also is like a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and it itself, it, and it needs itself set on fire by hell. Whew. Man, James, he's like, he doesn't give us any room to just ble uh, breathe in here. But he's understanding that, yeah, because why? The word, the tongue is connected to the condition of your heart. If your heart doesn't change, your tongue will not allow you to uh, see the goodness of God. That's why the Bible says there's no more sacrifice needed because Christ became the sacrifice. The only sacrifice that we need to give to God is a sacrifice of praise that declares the name of Jesus. How can I purify my life? By my confession. By the, by the prayer, by the praise that I have, by the scripture I share with one another. And the confession exposing the condition of my heart. And finally, Jesus said it this way. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words, you will be acquitted. And by your words, you will be condemned. Words are very powerful. How can any human being who is on route to hell, turn their life and begin to live for the kingdom of God? It is very simple. Two things have to happen. Number one, he says, the, you have to believe in your heart and you have to confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord. So as I'm going towards hell, you know, whether God is using church or pastor or friends or family members to, to, to share you with a better option and you believe in your heart that Christ died and rose again the third day, just believing is not enough. You have to now confess Jesus is Lord. And by your tongue, your path in your life changes. And that is true for every day of your life. You keep saying to yourself, man, I suck. Man, I'm stupid. Man, I'm just good for nothing. Or you use your tongue to hurt others. 
what you sow is what you reap. If all you do in your life is curse people and slander and just say things that are not of the word of God, those things are going to come back to you and they're going to be poison in your own life. Words are so important. And I wonder how in the entirety of the way we use our words, have we glorified the name of the Lord or have we misused his name by the things that we have said or not said? So to redeem our heart and our action, we have to redeem our tongue. And so there is truth in the sense that in what you say is very important. Uh, so I pray that instead of sitting with our words, I pray that the Holy Spirit will fill you so much in your heart that he will help you battle every darkness, every sin, and every wicked thing in your heart. He will expose it, transform it. So now that whenever you speak, you speak the very words of God, you speak the truth in love, and you will speak hope and courage to each other. That is how you use the name of God that is upon your life today. Amen. So I pray that again, you will commit this tongue and say, Holy Spirit, change my heart that my words will change. That I won't complain anymore. When God wants to give you a blessing, sometimes he goes through trial. And many times we fail that trial because why? We complain. Instead of being thankful, we're, we're, we're ungrateful. And that's, that's how we de determine our own destiny by what we say. So I pray that you will hold your tongue. Next time you want to lash out at something, next time you want to talk to your friend about this person, say, oh, this person, and release that stress on them. Eat a big muffin so you can't talk. Just keep chewing that muffin. Hey, why aren't you talking? Oh, oh. And then when you have a breath to say, praise the Lord, all is good. And see the difference that your life changes. Our, our life has, is a testimony. We're witnesses of Jesus. Whether you like it or not. He's already on you. He's already in your life. I pray he will shine by what you say. And it will, it will, it will transform also what you do in your life. To honor his name. So second one. Sorry, the fourth one. Uh, remember, it says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no, you should not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Amen. Fourth commandment God gives in terms of his relationship, how to, how do I say prosper, right? How to live as a free person, how to live in his image and not in the image of the devil and the darkness that we have already been fallen into. Uh, the Sabbath. What is the Sabbath? The Sabbath is a day, 24-hour period, not a part of a day. It's an entire 24 hours. And guess what? It is from Friday to Saturday. Friday, sundown to sunset, so to sundown on Saturday. So technically, many of you guys think that right now you're at church keeping the Sabbath holy. You're, you're not, technically, okay. I, I want to explain why we're here on Sunday and why only one hour can, I wouldn't say replace, but has a different significance in what we're trying to do. Uh, I, I, maybe I should explain that now. It's because the reason why we don't worship on Saturday but on Sunday, it's because we're not Jewish people. 
We're not people uh, of the law. You guys didn't come to know God through the law like the Jewish people did, right? But we are Gentiles, non-Jewish people. We came to know God through what? Jesus Christ. And what was the greatest thing he did? Resurrect on the third day. He, He was crucified on Friday. Saturday he was in the grave, but on Sunday he rose. And therefore, for us, our only connection to God is not the law. Our only connection is his resurrection. And so that's why we come on Sunday to celebrate what God has done on Sunday. And therefore, Sunday is not the seventh day. Technically, today is day one, okay? According to God's calendar, Saturday is the seventh day. Sabbath literally just means rest. It means intermission, okay? Intermission was yesterday, but okay. But thank God, thank God, you know, only thing that matters for us is who Jesus Christ is, amen, and what he has done, okay. So, nonetheless, the heart behind why God is saying keep the Sabbath is important is relevant for you and for Jewish people. Even though we do it differently. They're supposed to do Saturday a whole day. You can do, I don't know, online. For you, it's where the spirit is. It's not where... It's not a place, it's not about a time, it's not about anything human made. But for you, it's all about what God has done. So I'll give you the answer right now. For us, the Sabbath is every day. It needs to be. The law required it for one day a week, but for Christ, he's made it where Sabbath now is every day. And I'm going to stay till the end, tune in till the end, because I'm going to give you the key on how every day can be a Sabbath. That's where God wants you to go, okay? But let me talk about what the Sabbath is trying to teach us, why it's a command to rest one day. As we read in our scripture, it represents, first of all, it's a check on our pride. Every week, you have to, for the Jewish people, you have to rest that one day because God wanted to prevent you from your slave master called pride. The pride that many, that, that is in our sinful nature is that we have a pride to us that makes us falsely believe that we can use our time and resources in any way we want. That we think that seven days a week is my time, my life, every hour is my hour, every air I breathe is mine, it's mine, I am me, I am God. That is at the heart of the image of the devil. The devil's first sin is pride, ours was unbelief. That, that at any time we want, instead of realizing that our days and our time and resources was given to us by someone for a purpose. So every week you spend a day stopping everything for what? To be reminded, oh, I don't live just to fill my stomach. I don't live just to get more comfortable. I don't live just to have a bigger house so I can be better than my neighbor. I live to fulfill God's purpose. So it's a day of saying, God, speak to us that we can be faithful to the life you've given us, to the gift you've given us, how can we multiply what is your heaven's purpose in creating life for us? Without Sabbath, you forget that because Sabbath uh, help, Sabbath does something to us where we begin to get drowned out by the fallen of this nature. So again, before I say that, Sabbath helps us to remember that we are not God and that we need to set apart a holy time to remember and honor God to give credit and thanks for our lives to the one who deserves it, not us, our creator. Remember his rightful place as God in our lives. And so we stop everything. And what are we supposed to do? Not to stop everything, but to mourn. People have been doing this wrong uh, after it was given for hundreds of years. God was so angry at the, at the Israelites because they stopped working 
but that was it. They rested, but without looking to God and reconnecting with God. Now, second reason. So first is, is a check on our pride that to remind ourselves that we were created for a purpose that God gave us. We need time to always be reminded. We're fallen. We need to remind him. But the second thing that Sabbath is important is that Sabbath is a time that you're able to receive God's divine help and blessings for your life. It's a time to reconnect, recharge, and strengthen our connection with God. Why is Sabbath important? Because we sin, and we're kicked out of the garden. We're no longer in the garden. If we were in the garden, we don't need Sabbath. What I'm about to show you at the end of the sermon, that every day is a Sabbath, that was the reality. You didn't have to work and, and cry. I want to show you guys this. Why is Sabbath important? Because in Genesis chapter 3, after Adam and Eve sinned, God declares the consequence of their sin. Are you ready? In Genesis chapter 3, it says this. This is the reality of the world that you and I live in. It says, cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat fro food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. This is God not, um, he's not the one causing this to happen. He is explaining to you, because of what you chose to do, this is what you will reap as a consequence of your action. God's will is never to give you curse and to make you painful, but God, as they were casting them out, because of the power that the man had. You see, this is the thing that we think, well, why did God kick him out? Because he made Adam and Eve so powerful. He said, with this sin, I'm not going to let it uh, uh, become eternal and, and um, uh, create, you know, the kingdom that, that I gave you the power to create that's eternal. You're going to have to be far from me. But then the painful toil was a result of sin. Again, anything that is not in line with God as being your God is going to be slavery to you. So he says, by the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. Wow, that is so sad. It means all of your life, you're going to work and work and work. And, 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 and you're tired and you eat a little bit to do what? Work and work and work and work. And then what? You're going to get tired and painful to do what? So you can eat a little more. And then what? You're going to die. And you're return to dust. That is the destiny of mankind apart from God. And then the next verse talks about for women, it's, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Imagine if she didn't sin, how easy childbirth would be. But again, this whole thing, you could call it curse. This cursed life is the reality that we live in. And God says, listen, keep my Sabbath holy and I'll bless you. When you rest, I'm going to, it's not a human rest. It's not, I need a vacation. And you, on your own effort, go and pay the money that you work so hard for. And you spend it and waste it. And then when you come back from the vacation, you're like, oh, I need another vacation. It's an endless cycle of just loss and loss. God is saying, no, 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 no. Do it my way. Let me be your God. Live for me. And I'm going to show you through Sabbath, I'm going to restore you. I'm going to heal you. I'm going to take that burden away from you. Sabbath and just like tithing. Tithing also is the same thing. Tithing, God made a promise. He understands how cursed this world is. This financial system that we live under, that, we, that, 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 that rules our lives right now, it's a cursed system. How do you break it? God's way. Tithing is the covenant. You say, no, no, I'm not under this financial system. I'm under God's system. So that's the way that you make, even in this cursed system, a channel of blessing. 
Sabbath the same way. It's, it's an opportunity for you to say, God, I really need to work 24 hours more. But instead of me living in this cursed way, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to give you the credit. I'm going to bless your name. And I'm going to trust that you will empower me, work around me, so that I can have more than enough. That's what you see again and again in the men and women of God who took this, who, who, who lived by their faith. For example, Isaac, in the time of great famine, it says that he sowed a seed and he brought out a hundredfold uh, harvest. <clears throat> Did Isaac have the power to do it? No. But his life of honoring God and living in his way, in the good law that God gave him, allowed God to do a miracle in his life. We can't expect God to do a miracle when all we're doing is our own efforts and all we're doing is living for our idols, living by our own efforts. There's no time, there's no room for God. So, so Sabbath is really for you so you can leave a room for God and say, God, I'm desperate. I'm about to die. But I'm trusting there's more in the cursed life that we're living. And the father says, thank you for trusting me. Here is my provision. Again, the law shows that God is good. We don't just rest 24 hours to go, go deficit on our income, but so that God can say, I'm going to give you more than enough. I'll fulfill my promise to make you a blessing to the world. So in our passage, <clears throat> Jesus does something uh, very interesting. Um, uh, if, okay, I'm going to do this right here real quick. In the passage that we read today, it says in verse uh, 13, we can see, it says, If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then it says, then you will find your joy in the Lord and I will cause you to ride in the triumph of the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance that your fathers gave you. The mountain will not serve you. So God's clear goal is to bless you, but look at, look at what he says. This is how he through the prophet Isaiah, after a thousand, thousands of years after giving the law, people didn't understand it. For them, Sabbath was like, oh my gosh, why is God telling me to do nothing? I want my slaves to work. I want my children to work. Why are you telling us to do nothing? But he says here, he says, if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath, how do you break the Sabbath? Doing as you please on my holy day. It was not just the 24 hours of just being still. But it was the 24 hours of saying, God, I, I reflect on my week. And I want to ask you to show me how have I done wrong? How can I do it right? And God might say, you know that one servant you have? You're really rude to him. I think you should increase his pay, right? Or you know that competition, the, the guy that started the cow farm next to you? You know how you went and you stole the cow or you, you poisoned their water? You got to go and get him, right? God wants that Sabbath to help you to so you can, you can be free of the curse and live in his blessing. And then so, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's day honorable, instead of saying, oh, why are you limiting us, God? Why are you keeping me in curse? No, no, no. God is wanting to deliver you from the curse. 
and by not going your way, own way and doing as you please. That is the problem of why the Sabbath was not working. It's because they, they weren't honoring God because even on the Sabbath, they weren't fearing God. They just wanted to do what they wanted. And so just like any immature kid, they just said, okay, fine, fine, I'll be quiet, I'll be quiet, and then go back and do the same thing that they were doing, never changing. So Jesus in, 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 the, in, the, in, the, in the, the gospel said this. He says, the Sabbath was made for the man, not man for the Sabbath, so that the Son of Man is the Lord, even of the Sabbath. Now, as I promised to you, this, this is a quick before I go to the last slide. This is Jesus. What he did was when he was on the earth, he would break the Sabbath. Meaning he worked on the Sabbath. Jesus, what are you doing? No, no, no. Jesus was teaching us that Sabbath is not just doing nothing, but it's actually so you could do good things for God. So you could reorient it. What happened right before this is there was a man with crippled hands. And as he was preaching, as he was walking through the temple, he saw him and said, be healed. And then all the Pharisees saw that and they're like, you lawbreaker, you son of Joseph, how can you do work on the Sabbath? That is work. You just worked and you just healed him. And Jesus is like, dude, the Sabbath was so that you could do good things, not so that you can just do nothing. And then, you know, and then he said, I am the Lord even of the Sabbath. So finally, here's a big question that you've been all waiting for. How can I, Pastor Ingram, live not just in 24 hour of Sabbath, of renewal, of blessing. How can I live all of my life, Monday through Friday through Saturday and Sunday as a Sabbath? Wouldn't that be so amazing if every day you live, you were living in rest and there's no stress? I want to tell you, it is true. I've experienced it. I wish I could do a little more, but this is a key. I want you to go home and read Hebrews 3 and 4 on your own time to understand the fullness of it. But there's a whole chapter talking about what is the Sabbath. And the conclusion is this. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. What that means is he was talking about the Israelites. They wandered the desert for 40 years. And God was telling them, listen to what I'm saying. Listen to what I'm saying. But every step of the way, they disobeyed, disobeyed. And God says, you will never enter my rest. Meaning... Unless we live in obedience, our hearts to honor God and to focus God, without obedience, there is no rest in your life. Because why? Without obedience, there's nothing but curse in your life. There's nothing but sin and darkness in your life. The only way, as it was beginning to the end of your life, that you're going to find rest in your life is when you say, Lord, my heart is listening. I will obey. And when you step in obedience to God, there is rest. There is provision, there is miracle, there is that deliverance, there is that debt forgiveness, there is that, that the freedom and the joy and the health that you've been working all your life and never seen. How can your career take off? Obey the voice of the Lord. From your heart, do not harden your hearts. When your heart is ever set before the Lord, you trust him and you're saying, God, whatever you say, whether it's you want me to, you know, whatever the Lord has for you, if you're able to say, Lord, I will listen to your voice and my heart to obey. Today is that Sabbath. As long as it is called today, the Bible says, today is the day of salvation. As long as it is called today, it says, encourage each other so that no one's heart will be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Why do we need each other in the body of Christ? We have to remind each other daily, hey, 
Don't listen to the devil. He just wants you to serve him. He just wants you to suffer and become ashes to ashes and dust to dust, just like him. Listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Do it in a different way. Maybe try your marriage in a different way. Maybe try raising kids a different way. Listen to God. He wants to bless you. If you can trust him and obey, that will be the Sabbath. You'll be the most stress-free person in the entire world. That's what God wants for you. Today, as we do our communion, I want us to make a commitment in our hearts to say, Lord, my heart is for you. I want to use your name in an honorable way. I want to, Lord, take my days, my power to make wealth, and realize it is not mine. Monday through Friday is not my time. That's God's time. I want to do it your way, God. I want you to make that decision in your heart. And the song that... Uh, we're going to be playing uh, through the whole communion service. It's from Psalm 19. The title of the song is called Psalm 19, but you can't explain it if you don't know it. I just want to read this uh, lyric to you. It will be on the screen throughout. People are going to be singing this for seven minutes. I just want you to join in as you take participate with me. But the words are this. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, my God. You are my rock and my redeemer. Right there. That's quoting Psalm 19. The last verse. The remaining are the artist's own lyrics. But again, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart change my heart. That's where it starts, guys. The law was given. It couldn't do it. But Jesus, through the law, he wants to change your heart so that you, your heart will be saying, Lord, I want to please you. You're the reason that I sing. I desire to be a blessing in your eyes. Every hour and every moment, let it be a Sabbath. Lord, I want to be your servant, right? I'm not serving my life. I'm not serving my desires. I'm not serving what my parents tell me. I'm not serving what my bank check tells me to do. I am serving you alone, oh God. I desire to be a blessing in your eyes. Let me be the recipient, channel of blessing for you. You don't have to wait till you die to have heaven, experience heaven. You can experience it wherever today. You do not harden your heart toward God and say, Lord, I will obey, I will listen. So let's pray together before we continue in singing. Lord, fulfill the law in us. You said it. Unless every one of us, our righteousness surpasses that of a Pharisee, we will not enter the kingdom of heaven. It is impossible on our own to use your name right. Lord, forgive me, forgive us for misusing your name that is upon us. We have misused your name. People have been uh, cursed because of what we said. People have been hurt by what we do. We, we misrepresented your name. But I thank you that we're not, we still have an opportunity, as long as it is called today, to redeem, to heal, and to resurrect. Let us honor your name with our lives. And God, let us walk in Sabbath every day, not just on Saturday sundown to sundown, 24-hour period, or just an hour and a half for us on Sunday. But every moment of our lives, let it be a Sabbath because of our heart of obedience and our heart of humility. This is for you, O oh God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can have the communion slides on the screen for us. The Lord Jesus eve of his death he fellowshiped with his disciples by 
sharing a meal with them. Taking the bread, he gave thanks. He broke it. He gave it to them with these words. Take and eat. This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup. He gave thanks to the Father. He gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Those of you who, would still, who want the uh, self, self kit, you're welcome to take it from this table and proceed to your left. To the rest of us, uh, you're welcome to come forward and take your left. Father, I thank you. Right now, we were just reminded that it's every day. If you want to follow me, the 
fulfill the law for you. The one who delivers us from curse and leads us to everlasting blessing. In fact, causes us to be a blessing. He says, you want to follow me, carry your cross. Deny yourself, carry your cross daily and follow me. God, I thank you for the opportunity to live in righteousness with every day. As long as we have life, we have an opportunity to fulfill your purpose. I thank you that you will never quit on us. You never give up on us. And you have given everything for us. You have given us your blood. You have given us your body. Everything we need is in Christ Jesus. Lord, our prayer is break our hearts. Change my stubborn heart, heart Lord God. Change my guilty heart. Change my, uh, my, my uh, envious, my bitter heart. Lord, let me rend my heart before you and allow you to change my heart and my words, my life. My Monday through Friday is no longer just a waste, just something I have to bear through, but an opportunity for, the, for Jesus to manifest. We receive, oh God. We need your help. We thank you for your blessing every day. If you could all stand, I'll send you guys off with this blessing. Now, therefore, beloved children of God, the Father has blessed you. Jesus, he has brought you into the kingdom of God. And the Holy Spirit empowers you. He will transform you. He will make your insides new. He will give you a new heart, not of stone, but of spirit. That the law of God is your delight. That you meditate on day and night. And most importantly, the law will become fulfilled. That the goodness of God will be who you are and what you do. May everything you touch, may everything you say, may everywhere you go now be marked by the blessing of Jesus Christ. May the world, because of you, may your family, because of you, now be transformed. Live in repentance and may your heart, today if you hear the voice of God, do not, your, do not harden your heart and enter his rest from now and forevermore. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy God bless you. As you enter, as you exit, please hug somebody before you go and join us for the uh, potluck lunch right after. God bless you. We'll see you again.